believe it does. If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. When you want to be shown a foolish person, your faith apart from the works of Jesus was like Abraham our father, justified by works, when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. You see that faith was acted along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, does not also Rahab the prostitute, justified by works, when she received the messages and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Join us at church at nine today. Um, uh, I usually look after the kids' ministry, and uh, it's my privilege to look at this very central part of um, James chapter two with you this morning. Um, in sort of keeping with the theme of uh, a bit of quiz and trivia, I thought we'd play a bit of a, um, a poll and take a bit of a survey of where our congregation is at at the moment. So I'm going to give you a category. And I just want you to put up your hand uh, based on that category. So the first category is introverted. So let's see where our congregation is at the moment. So put up your hand if you are an introvert. You love spending time by yourself with a lot of energy. Nice and high so we can see. Let's not get a grip later. All right, and put up your hand if you are an extrovert. You get a lot of energy from hanging out with people. Okay, we are a very introvert-dominant congregation. <laughs> um, category number two, let's say um, morning person or night person. So put up your hand if you um, are very alert first thing in the morning. If you're a morning person, put up your hand nice and high. Okay, and put up your hand if you're a night person, you kind of brain switches on. That's pretty even, that's about half on. Uh, okay, third category is, uh, let's say... Um, outdoors or indoors? Okay, so do you love the outdoors or indoors? Put up your hand if you love outdoors. An outdoors person getting out there, going for a trek, camping maybe. All right, put up your hand if you much prefer the indoors, staying inside. That's pretty even. That's pretty even. So we're an introverted congregation, a bit of a mix of morning and night people, some outdoors, some indoors. There's one more category. Living faith or dead faith? All right, put up your hand if you have a living faith. <laughs> All right, that's four people in our congregation. Put up your hand if you think you have a dead faith. Oh, 
that's very interesting. That's a hard question, isn't it, to answer? Because today's passage in James, it says that there's only two options. So you either have a dead faith or you have a living faith. But that poll that we just did shows you actually the experience of faith is quite different. Um, if living faith is kind of on this side of the spectrum and dead faith is maybe over here, most of our life is actually lived like it's here or somewhere in between. So maybe I have a lot of um, guilt or doubts about my faith. I don't want to say it's completely dead, but I might say sometimes it feels like it's barely breathing. You know, or I'm going through like a, a good season of disciplined Bible reading. I, I'm connecting well with people at church. And but because I'm, I don't want to claim too much for a living faith, I want to say that I'm nearly living, but I don't want to go that extreme. So I'm just saying that James is very black and white. Living faith, dead faith, the experience of faith feels like we live more on a spectrum. Now, what do you do with that? I guess it's the question. Well, I think that what it means for us is that this part of the Bible is going to speak to different people in slightly different ways. So after today's passage, some of you, it will become more clear that in fact your profession of faith is dead. And that you will need to do business with God and ask Him to transform your life. But for others of us, James 2 functions more like um, to spur you on to love and good deeds. There is a genuine faith that you have. And this part of God's Word is there to help you mature and bring that faith into expression of love and good deeds. And so with all of that complexity, I'm going to ask God for his wisdom as we consider the next passage. So let's pray together. Um, Father God, we thank you for this very um, clear word of faith dead faith and living faith. But Father, we understand that the experience of faith can be complex, so would you speak to us today in the way that we need to hear it as part of your word? Father, would you ask this in Jesus' name? Alright, James 2 is um, 14 to 26. It's sort of a part of the book of James. Um, James has sort of given us kind of pictures of what it looks like to live out the Christian life. But it's really these chapters that kind of combine faith and works. So this is a passage that we really want to get correct. And what James does as he begins is he starts to help us to see um, what dead faith actually looks like. So come with me to James chapter 2 and verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So um, James is fairly clear here on one level. There's someone in the congregation with a physical need. And what this Christian brother or sister says to them is just words of intention, good intention, go in peace, be warmed and filled. 
it's interesting, though, that you'll notice the words that this person says, they're not just kind of sentimental words. Did you notice that? They're actually very religious words. So, knowing peace is this sort of Old Testament blessing that God would bless you. And be warmed and filled with just like prayer that God would indeed meet your physical needs. But James's point is clear. They're just religious words as a cover for the gospel. And so it's that kind of faith that it's just mere religious words is a dead faith. Religious lip service with no tangible evidence of love for a brother or sister. And that's a big challenge for us, isn't it? Because um, it's very easy to adopt the language of the community. So, um, uh, recently I read an article about what's called the Pepper Pig effect. Not many of you heard of the Pepper Pig effect. Um, the article says that um, a lot of American parents have noticed that as their children have binge watched Pepper Pig, a British TV show, they notice their children start to sound more British. So they start using words like holiday instead of vacation. They start to say um, tomato instead of tomato. And so the kids have adopted the language of what they're watching. And in a faith community like ours, how easy it is to adopt Christian literalism and pray for each other. Just trust that God, God's in control, don't worry. And it's not that those words are not important but it can be easy, James says, to have those religious words actually be sort of a mask for inaction and hatred. Mere religious words are a dead faith. So what does that mean for us? I think it's a challenge here, isn't it? A challenge with me goes, how does my faith, our faith in Jesus, actually express itself? physical love for our brothers and sisters. Um, recently, I won't embarrass her, but one of our congregation members uh, made a baby for food, and she even cooked it and minced it and put it in some tiny plastic trays so we could freeze it and get it to use it over the weekend. And for us, that showed us that her faith is genuine. Now, that's one example, but people's needs don't always look exactly the same, do they? Because sometimes a need might be someone to listen to you, or to sit and pray with you, or to help you understand part of God's Bible, um, or to go for a walk with you. But James wants to say that if you're just giving religious words, and there's no tangible evidence of needs being met, or love being expressed in that way, then the question is, is that faith? goes on, verse 18, but someone will say, well, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So James has said, faith without works 
is dead. And now he says, actually, what works do is works demonstrate your faith. Works demonstrate your faith. I will show you my work. My faith is this by my works. Living faith can't simply be intellectual agreement with a doctrine about God. Even if it's the most central truth about God or something like we spoke in the Apostles' Creed, you could believe in principle that God is one. Isaiah says, look, even demons can ascribe to that truth in principle, and yet they don't have a saving faith. And this is what's particularly challenging about this, this verse, is that do you notice that word, the demons can believe that and shudder? says, even that doesn't guarantee a saving faith. So a demon could come after the sermon at morning tea and head into a dream, and the demon could say, today's sermon, what, what a great sermon. Jesus Christ is Lord. That, that really spoke to me. I was really challenged and rebuked by that word. See, guys, have faith. James says, watch out, even that could be a mark. second and, and ask you a question you haven't think about. And the question is, do works demonstrate our faith? What kind of works do you think James is talking about? So when someone looks at you, what kind of works make people know that person is a follower of Jesus? Do you think um, being friendly and nice shows people that you Showing hospitality communicates to someone that person must follow Jesus. 
Well, sometimes it, it might. But I think that's the reason why James gives the next two examples of Abraham and Rahab. Because in Abraham and Rahab, he gives examples of works which you look at and you go, he only followed Jesus to make that kind of choice. Because these choices are not just sort of friendly choices to be kind, to be somewhat self-controlled. They're actually risk-costly choices. If you think about it, um, all of us know people who don't profess to be Christian, and they're some of the nicest people in the world, are they not? For my part, of relatives who, no offense, but maybe beat me on a tiny scale. Yet James wants to say there's certain works which actually demonstrate to people I follow Christ. So humbly we pick it up at verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was actually from what he was completed by his works. The scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Right, in a moment we're going to do a bit of hard work, so I'm going to threaten you. We're going to ask you to do some flicking. But the first point I just want to make is that Abraham, put up your hand, was Abraham when he was first given the promise of a new family? Anyone want to guess this one? Shout it out if you think you know it. 99 close. You're wrong. 80. Somewhere between 75 and 80, roughly. Um, around 75 years old. Abraham was given that first promise that you are going to have your offspring. Most 
helpful if we actually do the physical thing. So I'm going to do it with you. Next one, please back out of this. So what James means when he says here that Abraham was justified by works, he's using the term to say Abraham was vindicated, made genuine, was actually proven to be true in his faith. And that's what works mean. That's what James is saying. He's saying works justify your faith. They vindicate, they show that. Now I can see that my choice of you is 
Thank you. 